Hello and thanks for listening to the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the contributors and not necessarily those of either Beyond Radio or of Morecambe Football Club. This podcast has reached tens of thousands of people so far this season. If your business would like to reach those people in an extremely cost-effective way, you can drop me an email for more details to dave.salmon at beyondradio.co.uk. Salmon as in the fish. Or you can send me a private message on Twitter at DP Salmon. You can also support this podcast and our Shrimps Live full match commentaries on Ko-fi at co-fi, that's co with a K, dot com forward slash Shrimps Live. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps Verdict on Beyond Radio. It's the Shrimps Verdict podcast. Hello from Dave Salmon. So Morecambe safely into the hat for the third round of the FA Cup after overcoming non-league Buxton at uh, the Silverlands Stadium. It's the highest ground in England, apparently, at more than a 1,000 feet above sea level. But we've got the job done. Robbo's Reds safely in the draw for the third round. And hopefully we're going to get a big tie against either a big championship or Premier League club in January. That would be absolutely fantastic, wouldn't it? Normally on the pod, you would hear highlights of the game, of course. But uh, because the game was chosen for TV broadcast on the BBC, that meant it couldn't then be broadcast on the radio, either the Beeb uh, or on Beyond either. So uh, no highlights of the game. So straight to the reaction to the action. And after the victory against Buxton, here are the thoughts of Morecambe manager Stephen Robinson. There was anything that was going to level, you know, the the four divisions. It was the weather. It was incredible. I think it's the worst I've ever been involved in, how cold it was, the wind, the rain. But, you know, we have to credit our players. It was a real professional performance. Everything was massively set up for an FA Cup upset. You know, as I say, the conditions and, you know, the, the surface, everything went with it, tight ground, crowd. But we, you know, we controlled a lot of it in horrendous conditions, should have won by a lot more goals, um, but job done. Yeah, like whatever I said to them, like make sure people are talking about us in the next round. You know, everyone's come here today. Everyone outside of Morecambe wants us to lose. The BBC aren't here to watch us pass the ball. They're here to see a cup upset. And, you know, we proved them wrong. And, you know, I, I think it should have been a lot more goals in the end when we wore them down with their quality. But to actually pass the ball and play in them conditions was, was extremely difficult. They came out all guns firing. Um, and, you know, they, they had an opportunity after that, you know, I thought we, we calmed down, we controlled the game in terms of passing. But um, as I say, they, they hung in the game. It's credit to them. They've got a good setup here as well, I would imagine, on normal conditions. But being in Morecambe, we're quite used to the rain and wind. Cole, probably by his own admission, would have had a hat-trick in normal circumstances. Um, but listen, he scored the goal that matters. He's, he's led the line again brilliantly for us in, as I say, ridiculous conditions. But the, the be-all and end-all today was to make sure we're in the next round. Yeah, in terms of finances for the club, I'm sort of torn because you want a draw that you might progress to the fourth round. Um, but in terms of putting an infrastructure in place, you know, we're, we're not a League One football club in terms of infrastructure by any stretch of the imagination yet. Um, everyone's 
going in the same direction the directors the board we all want to do that and a big financial boost would be would be superb especially with the, the Christmas window coming up as well the board support me as, as best as they can you have to work within your means you know we, we get crowds of 4,000 people not not Sunderland's crowds of maybe 30, 40,000 so you have to be realistic with what we can spend but in, in terms of putting training facilities in place that are League One standard in terms of bringing players potentially to the club and attracting them then you know we're still building we're probably three years ahead of where everybody expected us to be so a big financial boost would be great call the one victory you scored the goal uh, a big goal for you yeah it was it was massive um obviously missing last week as well coming back here um well, it was just nice we done the job applied ourselves in the right way and then come away into the next round Feel like more than victory last year, wasn't it? It wasn't a win, but you just did the job you had to do and got through to the next round. Yeah, they are the tough places to come. Do you know what I mean? Because it means so much to them as well as it does to us. Um, but like I said, now applied ourselves in the right way. Looking at the game, there wasn't much in it really, to be honest, but towards the end, you could have had more and you could have had a few more as well. Yeah, I could have had a couple more as well. It's just lack of concentration and I'm getting the chance to so please with that, but now it's always nice to score as well. 16 goals now for you for the season, it's tremendous so far, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'm made up. Um, like if you said to me, start of the season, this is where you'd be, then probably would have like, laughed at you, but no, I'm delighted and I've just got to keep, keep going. How big a win was that for the team and for the club to get into the third round of the FA Cup as well? It's massive. Um, it is, and we're just hoping for a good draw now into the next one, hopefully big team away. Last year, of course, Chelsea. Uh, Days like that you'll never forget. Yeah, no, they're like incredible, incredible days out as well. And now we'll have the fans back in, so fingers crossed. The games they tough. I mean, their keeper produced some good saves as well. Yeah, he did. No, they were a very good side. They knew what they were doing, and we knew like their strengths as well. And like I said, I can't like emphasise enough how we applied ourselves right and took it onto the pitch. Must be a happy dressing room in there. Cold one. <laughs> Freezing cold one. But <laughs> a good one. Yeah, that's it, mate. Now we're all delighted, so I'm trying to crack on. A very happy Morecambe manager, Stephen Robinson, and uh, striker Cole Stockton reflecting on the Shrimps. 1-0 victory away at Buxton United in the second round of the FA Cup uh, this afternoon. Safely into the hat for the draw for the third round, uh, which takes place on the BBC on Monday night. Wouldn't it be amazing to get a massive draw against either a big championship or Premier League club? Cannot wait to find out who we play at the first weekend in January. A little bit later in today's podcast, you'll hear from Gav, who's one of the presenters of the Roka Report podcast and the Roka Report uh, fans website as well. We uh, have a real good chat about all things Sunderland, what it's like to be a big club in League One, the Netflix documentary, how difficult it is to get out of the third tier of football, especially when you are such a big side as Sunderland are, we're really looking forward to heading up to the Stadium of Light on Tuesday. Uh, you can join myself and Matt Smith uh, from the Shrimps media team. Of course, full match commentary on Beyond Radio on Shrimps Live from 7.30 on FM and on DAB+. And uh, talking of Matt, let's uh, talk to him uh, right now. He's made it safely back from Silverlands through the wind and the rain. Matt, we've been through lots of bad weather together so far this season, haven't we? Wickham... Hartlepool, how cold it was against MK Dons last Saturday. It looked absolutely horrendous on TV. Give us a bit of a flavour about what the weather conditions were really like. 
Yeah, it's um, it was absolutely freezing cold. Um, I, I can't remember being as cold at a game for a long time. I know I said that last week against MK Dons, but but today it was just crazy. I think it was one of those where the the wind and the rain. It's so cold that if if you you know standing there facing it for like two minutes or something, then you just you know your head or whatever just goes numb. But you know even the players afterwards. Um, they were all absolutely freezing. They couldn't wait to obviously get on the bus and and, and get going. But you know, it's uh, that's FA Cup football for you, isn't it? We knew, given the fact that it had been chosen for telly, that uh, I, I suppose every non-Morecambe fan were, were sniffing a, a cup upset, League One side against the lowest-ranked team left in the competition. I think the word I would use to describe Morecambe's performance is professional. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I don't think uh, by any stretch of the imagination it was uh, an overly exciting game to watch. Um, I think, you know, the first 10 minutes or so, I think Buxton, to be fair to them, I think they came out of the traps a little bit quicker. Um, Obviously had the the big chance where they hit the post. Um, But ultimately, you know, you look at the at the definition of a professional performance and, and you ride the waves as and when they come and take your chance uh, when it pops up, and that's exactly what we did. Um, I think looking at the second half, uh, I know Stephen Robinson said it afterwards. We we possibly could have had you know at least two or three more goals. There were some big chances that went begging, but thankfully it didn't come back to bite us. And uh, yeah, we've uh, safe passage through to to the third round of the FA Cup. Could have been a lot different, of course, Matt. Couldn't it? They hit the posts after about twelve minutes. If that goes in. It's a completely different game, isn't it? But as we speak about probably most weeks, it's those fine margins. And on this occasion, it went the way of us. Yeah. Um, and again, going back to what Stephen Robinson said during his interview, you know, it, it was all set up for a cup upset, wasn't it? You know, the, the weather, the stadium, the crowd. Um, it, it's one of those where you look at it beforehand and you think, you know, there could be an upset here today, just given the, the magic of the cup and all that. So, yeah, um, like you say, it could have been a completely different game and that's full credit to the way Buxton played. I thought they were really, really impressive um, all of the afternoon. But ultimately, it was the quality of the League One side that uh, that shone through, thankfully, from obviously a Morecambe point of view. We weren't sure whether Cole was, was going to make it. He played the full match. That bodes well. Looks like he's not showing any effects from the slight hamstring strain that kept him out last week. And I suppose that was ultimately the difference between the two sides, wasn't it? We've got somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net, given half the chance. Yeah. Um, and and it just begs the question of, uh, you know, like we touched on earlier, he, he should really have had a hat-trick. Um, mm. A few of the chances that he missed... Um, you look at some of the goals he scored this season and say he can score all these different kinds of world-class finishes. He can't put it and in then... an empty net from eight yards, though. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> thankfully, like I say, it, it didn't matter in the end um, because, you know, he got the goal earlier on. Um, and, and, yeah, it was just, uh, like, like we say, a very professional performance. And I know that that's what the gaffer wanted before the game. That's exactly what he asked for from his squad. So, He'll be absolutely delighted that uh, that they've gone and, and and delivered what he wanted. Yeah, the gaffer seemed pretty happy with the shrimps' afternoon work. I suppose on another day, Matt, the linesman's flag could have gone up. Cole's goal would have been disallowed. He's definitely in an offside position when Anthony O'Connor headed it forward. Whether it took a slight 
snick off the defender when he sliced his clearance. I, I think it's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter, does it? The fact is, the goal stands. And and in Cole's post-match, he doesn't often speak after games, does he, Matt? But uh, he seemed quite pleased with the, the fact that the job had been done and, and, and done professionally. Yeah, I have to thank him for... Uh... For, for standing up to press duties this <laughs> afternoon. He was absolutely freezing, the poor lad. But, uh, but yeah, um, I think I've, I've only seen it once. I think I think it possibly did take a touch. Um, so I, I think the goal rightfully stood. Um, but like you say, we know VAR. If, if, the, if the linesman sees it from a different angle then it's obviously disallowed and um and all all to play for still so yeah um uh, like we say you know it was just made for Cole really to to step up and obviously he did well in the competition last season as well so um he'll be as delighted as anyone that uh, that obviously it was his goal that, um, that that has progressed us through to the next round and hopefully he's going to show uh, no ill effects uh, from playing the full game and playing on a 4G a different playing surface uh, that must put an extra load uh, through the tops of the legs as well. So, fingers crossed, he's going to be okay for Sunderland on Tuesday. I'm sure he will be. Let's talk about one or two of the members of the squad, Matt. There weren't any particularly outstanding performances. Today. It wasn't that kind of game, was it, really, where it was a, it was more of a, a dig-in, more of a team effort. But I quite liked how solid we were, compact at the back, kept our shape well. And I thought Wes McDonald uh, probably had one of his better games for us as well. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, it's just that that trickery and that pace. You know, he's already proven that it can be uh, a bit tricky for the the oppositions in League One to deal with. So when you look at a team, no disrespect, of course, but you, you line up against Buxton and and it's bound to have a some some sort of effect. So yeah, I, I was impressed with Wes today. Um, it was just like you say. I think. I don't think there were any standout performances really for either side. And I think a lot of that is down to the conditions. It's yeah. so difficult. It was impossible, wasn't it? Especially knowing the way that we like to play. It's really difficult in those conditions to um, to, to try and play the best kind of football. So, yeah, I, th- I think even though there were no real standout performances, I think ultimately speaking, it was a really solid general all-round team performance to, to ultimately get the job done. And if we get um, a Premier League club away from home, we might be able to experience what it's like to play in a VIR game. So uh, looking forward to that on uh, on Monday, 7pm on the Beeb. Uh, Matt, in an ideal world, who would you like? I'm sure you're going to say Burnley away. Yeah, that is exactly what I'd say. Um, I, it's funny because I've, I've spoken to a few people, um, you know, uh, in the squad and, and things like that. And we've as soon as I've said Burnley away, everyone's just like, what? So, uh, yeah, for, for a personal point of view, Burnley away. Um, but like we say, you know, Ed, this is where all the, the big guns come in. So any big Premier League outfit, either home or away, you know, if it's away, it's beneficial because, you know, it's new grounds for the lads to play out and, and from ourselves to work from. But also at home, we know that the Mizuma can be a massive, massive fortress and we can make it really tricky for any opposition. Um, so I don't imagine any team in the Premier League would want to come to a place like the Mazuma, um, obviously in the third round of the Cup, knowing just how well the fans can make it difficult for opposition teams. So, yeah, um, I think either way, I think it's a really exciting, um, another exciting time 
to be a Morecambe fan. And especially given the fact that last season, um, getting to the third round and facing Chelsea away, as good as that was, it was so hard to, to not have the fans yeah. there and experiencing it all in person. So really chuffed probably more so than, than for anybody else, that the fans this time round are able to be part of the journey. I suppose Stephen Robinson is probably going to be wanting either Bournemouth uh, or, or Luton uh, for his whole own uh, nostalgic purposes. But I suppose whoever we get, it's just great that we're in the third round, isn't it, really? So uh, we'll certainly look forward to that. It does, of course, mean that our trip to Sheffield Wednesday, which was uh, due to be played on the 8th of January, that will now, of course, have to be rearranged for a Tuesday night later on uh, in the new year. So I, I think that's that's my one slight disappointment is I think we would have taken loads to Hillsborough if it had been a Saturday, but that game, of course, now is going to be rearranged. Talking of big games, though, Matt, let's uh, talk about probably the, the biggest game of the season in terms of the league for Morecambe so far. Sunderland away on Tuesday night, 30,000 people inside or more inside the Stadium of Light. It's going to be some occasion, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know that the likes of Sunderland and, and your Sheffield Wednesdays and your Ipswiches, they would have been one of the teams that the fans were looking at when the fixes were released uh, back in the summer. Uh, and rightfully so, like you say, 30-odd thousand fans in the, in the ground at week in, week out. Morecambe are not used to playing teams that have that kind of um, fan base, if you will, um, only in cup capacity. So to be able to go up there and and face them in the league is, again, it, it's. I imagine there's still a lot of people pinching themselves, even though we're obviously, what, four months into the season now, you'll still get people pinching yourselves on Tuesday night thinking, hold on a minute, you know, this is, this is happening. This is this is league football, Sunderland versus Morecambe. So, yeah, it will be a difficult task. Um, no two ways about that. Obviously, they drew with, uh, I think it was Oxford today. Yeah. So, um, probably by their own standards, not a great, uh, not a great result. So, they'll be hoping to to, to get uh, back to winning ways against us on Tuesday. But you know, we'll also be uh, be hoping to to put our last league result right. Obviously, a disappointing result at home, should I say, to, to MK Dons. So we'll be doing all we can as well to um, to, to get back to winning ways. And I think it, it promises to be uh, another exciting game of football. Have you ever been to the Stadium of Light, Matt, either as a fan or, or for work purposes? I Just as a fan, um, I had a brief stint up there in 2013 um, at university just for two months. Um, and I got to a few games when I was uh, when I was up there, which was nice. Um, and then I think many many moons ago when I was a kid as well. So um, a great stadium. Um, obviously, the the pitch, no doubt, will be a, an absolute carpet. The atmosphere will be electric, and uh, yeah, it's a, a Tuesday night under the lights at the uh, Stadium of Light. Can't wait. My top tip to you, Matt, is uh, firstly. Hopefully you're not too afraid of heights because it's 170 steps and you can count every single one of them up and down on Tuesday, if you like. So 170 steps up to the top step of the press deck, uh, right at the back of the, the main stand at the Stadium of Light. It used to be really low down. A few years ago, they moved it right to the very back. So you'll need to be quite fit to get up and down those steps to get the GoPros and everything. And um, a, a pair of binoculars as well would be quite handy because uh, the players will be quite small when we are looking at them. Well, the question's got to be, how fit can I get in, what, a matter of days? Um, so I'm not holding my breath uh, whilst I have it, because undoubtedly I'll be out of breath. Come <laughs> Me too. Um, 
but but yeah, um, it's all just part of the journey, isn't it? Um, the, the players will be buzzing to be playing at such, you know, a, dare I say, an iconic stadium. Obviously, uh, it was it was home to to a Premier League club for for years and years, uh, especially in recent memory. Um, it's not like they were a Premier League side twenty years ago. It's it's you know only a matter of years really that uh, they started to fall down the league. So um, from the players' point of view, it's it's massive, and and from the fans as well, like I've already touched on. So. Yeah, it, it promises to be an exciting night. And um, like we say, one that I'm sure a lot of people looked at fixture-wise when, when they were released earlier in the uh, in the summer. Yeah, we're going to hear from Gav from the uh, Roker Report podcast in, in a few moments. And uh, it's a great chat. I speak to him at length about loads of things to do with League One and Sunderland being such a big club, playing in the third tier of English football and what that's like from a fan's point of view. We talk about the Netflix documentary, a whole different range of stuff. It's a really great listen. Just keep listening to the podcast for that. Uh, that's coming up in a, a minute or two's time. But we spoke about teams like Morecambe in inverted commas going to the Stadium of Light against teams like Sunderland, big big fishes, if you will. And um, I think Gav hit the nail on the head when he said, and you'll, you'll hear him talk about this at length. He says, we are equals on the football field when the game kicks off on Tuesday night. We're both in League One. And that's exactly how it should be, I suppose. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I think you look at the season that Sunderland first fell into League One. Um, I imagine there were a lot of people, as as football fans do, by the way, this isn't a dig at Sunderland in any way, um, but I imagine when they did go down to League One with it being such un, unfamiliar territory, I imagine a lot of their fan base would have been expecting to, to turn these kind of teams over week in, week out mm. and bounce straight back to the Championship with a name of, of progressing back up to, to the Premier League. Um, so when we look at the fact they've been in this division for a couple of years now, then that should illustrate the, the point that they are equals with with every team in the, in this division, um, and and you know we we certainly know that that we are. Um, we've proven that, um, and Sunderland, I'm sure, will beat teams that they they expect to beat, but also lose to teams that I'm sure they have expectations mm. to beat. So why can't we do it on Tuesday night? And finally, Matt, that brings me on to my uh, my last question uh, before you can enjoy your, your weekend and get properly warm and cosy after your uh, Silverlands exploits uh, that earlier on today. Why can't we do it? We led against Ipswich twice at Portman Road. We've already beaten Sheffield Wednesday. We were playing Wickham Wanderers off the park away from home for a good hour before they overrun us. There's no reason why we can't do it again. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, uh, Again, going back to the, the old cliche, anybody can beat anybody in this league, uh, but it's true. Um, like we say, and like you touched on just now, Dave, um, we, we've been a match for for most teams, really, that we've come up against, especially you look at the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich. Um, so it proves that, you know, that the squad aren't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like a, a daunting position for the Shrimps when you look at, the, these kind of clubs that we're playing. So, you know, we just take that mentality that uh, we're, we're a match for anyone, as long as we stick to the basics as well, because I think Sunderland may be a team that, if you don't get the basics right, could go on to punish you. So as long as we keep those uh, keep those in line and OK, then, like we say, we've, we've got a chance. You know, it's, it's a 90-minute game of football, 11 v 11. Anything can happen. So, like, like, like you said, Dave, why can't we go, uh, go up there to the northeast and, and come back with three points? 
Matt, thanks very much as ever. Uh, go and get warm and properly cosy. Don't get your dressing down on nice hot shower. You've really earned it this afternoon. And uh, of course, as ever, we'll speak to you on uh, Shrimps Live for our full match commentary on Tuesday. Lovely. Can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much if you've donated to the annual Shrimps Trust Christmas Toy Appeal, by the way. Uh, they were inundated with uh, donations of gifts during the MK Dons game at the Mazuma on Saturday. So thank you so much if you have helped. It's still not too late if you'd like to take part. You can find out more details on their social media if you just search for the Shrimps Trust on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Or you can drop them an email too to shrimpstrust.com at gmail.com uh, they have an amazon wish list and uh, other ways that you can help uh, via an online method as well the guys at the shrimps trust always do a fantastic job every year uh, with their annual christmas toy appeal now it's back to uh, league action for the shrimps this week back to back long away trips all the way down to the south coast and portsmouth on saturday but up to the northeast on Tuesday night and one that I'm sure everybody has been looking forward to. Personally for me, it's been one of those that I've had marked on the calendar from the day that the fixtures were released back in the summer. Away at Sunderland at the Stadium of Light, it's going to be an enormous occasion in League One and a big test for Stephen Robinson's men on the field as well. Now, ahead of that game, I've been talking to Gav from the Roker Report. It's a Sunderland fan website and podcast that's just reached its 500th episode as well. Gav, a lifelong Sunderland supporter and the ideal person to really drill down, get the absolute nitty gritty about all things Sunderland ahead of Morecambe's trip to the northeast on Tuesday. Tell us about the, the, the Roker Report and the Roker Report podcast. How, how did it come about and, and what is your involvement? Oh, well, it's a long old story. Um, Roker Report started in 2010. Um, I wasn't involved at the time, um, but I was a, an avid reader of the, uh, of the website. Um, and over the years that ensued, it got bigger and bigger and more popular. Um, and then around 2014, um, it just sort of hit a low. People weren't really sort of managing it at all. There was there was nothing really going on with Roka Report. And as somebody who'd read the website for a long time, um, that upset me a little bit because I thought, well, it's such a good tool for fans. Like I'm I'm just a Sunderland fan. I love reading about my club. And it had always been a constant feature over those four years or so. Um, so I put myself forward to help out. And over a very short space of time, I ended up... Um, ended up running the show and I've been involved yeah for coming up eight years now and it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind really it's been mental um we're now <clears throat> probably the most read well we are the most read Sunderland fan site we, we get up to a million um hits a, wow. a month on the website um the podcast is popular we put four episodes a week out of our podcast um the podcast started in around 2016, around the time we were bombing out of the Premier League under David Moyes. Um, and it was cathartic because we were so <laughs> terrible that season that we needed somewhere to whinge. So we started a podcast off and it's gone from being a, a Skype call, a very low quality Skype call in, in our bedrooms to being this high quality, well-produced um, show, which as of as of right now, we've just hit our 500th episode of the, of the pod. Um, we've had some massive guests on over the years. Pretty much every Sunderland manager that's still alive has been on, I think. Um, <laughs> some of the biggest players we've had in our time, we've had them on. We've, we've done a bit of everything, really. We've had um, owners of the club on. Um, but 
chiefly we're, we're just fans who sit down and like to talk about our club. We're very lucky to do what we do when we, we know as fans of a, a huge club that um, we've got we've got a lot of people that we hit. And um, so what we say can can be important, can can be useful to some fans, you know, and um, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of what we've, we've achieved in that time. I think so you should be as well. I think to get 500 episodes of, of anything in a broadcast point of view out, plus <laughs> all the great content on the website as well. I think it, it has to be one of the biggest pods in the country and one of the biggest fan sites in the country as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've, um, at one stage, I think we were at the height of the, um, of the sort of Stuart Donald era when he first came through the door. Um, we were the, we were the main outlet for for them. Basically, they they came onto our podcast uh, the first day they were through the door, and that that made um, huge huge shockwaves really through the fan base because um, we'd never had that sort of openness from an owner before. And um, yeah, that 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 sort of gave us a good ground in the fan base. People came to wrote a report to find out what was going on. As it turned out, that ownership sort of fell fell apart very quickly, and. Um, as did the relationship with, with ourselves and, and those owners. And we were, we were at the front line um, asking for them to sell the club and they did sell a portion of the club to the new owner and things like that. So it's been, yeah, it's been mad, but um, like I say, we, we are probably outside of the, the top, what, six Premier League clubs. I would imagine that we, we are one of the biggest. Yeah. Um, and it's been organic. It's not mm. like we've, you know, we haven't, we haven't hoard ourselves around or anything. We just we're there. We, we we work very hard. We every day we're putting out unique content just for fans, by fans, just like me. Um, and be, that sort of commitment and quality over the years has has um, allowed us to grow a big readership that stretches far beyond Sunderland. You know, we we have fans who live in every corner of the earth, and um, we hit all of them. So yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I say, I'm really proud of what we've achieved. What, one of the proudest things, um, and it's, it's it's happened probably by the time this pod goes out, I guess, um, but every Christmas we raise money for a local soup kitchen. Um, first year we did it, we managed to raise 20 grand. We only thought we'd wow. raise about two. Um, <laughs> so we were like, wow, there's a there's a big appetite for this within the fan base to sort of help our own at, at, a, at the, the worst time of year, really. Um, last year... We raised thirty-two grand, I think, and this year we're hoping to eclipse that even again. So we're we're really proud of our relationship with the community soup kitchen. They're they're the chief. Um, I say a sponsor. They're not really a sponsor. With every podcast we put out, we oh, no. the, the community soup kitchen are attached to it. Um, we've got a great relationship with the lady who runs the show over there, Andrea. And yeah, that's that's a big focus of what we do is, um, you know, helping them out. I mean, every penny of our ad revenue that we we've um, accrued from ACAST this year has gone towards that fundraiser. So we've been able to put down a 13 grand donation, wow. which, um, which we're really, we're, again, we're really proud of. And that's basically money, I guess, um, that has been generated by, by our listeners, by Sunderland fans, because every time they play an advert on one of our podcasts, that money builds up in a pot and it's all going to those guys. So yeah, I'm really, like I say, I'm really proud of what we've done and um I'm always looking to make things bigger and better and hopefully provide better better coverage of the club for, for supporters. So it's it's a behemoth, yeah. I mean, we're in League One and, I mean, everybody knows how big Sunderland are. It's, um, it's a massive club. Yeah. A mad few years, Gav, as you've alluded to there. 
We'll yeah. drill down into some of the nuts and bolts of that on and off the field in, in a second, if I may. I'm sure you've been asked about Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix a million times, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you for the millionth and first time, if that's okay. It was a fascinating watch. It was my first go-to binge at the start of lockdown last year. From your point of view, how much of a close resemblance to reality was it and or, or, or was it made for the Netflix audience? Um, <clears throat> a bit of both, I think. I think importantly, the when you when you think of Netflix, they aren't just reaching football fans, they're trying to hit everybody, they're trying to hit audiences abroad. So um, I think the first series did a better job of showcasing Sunderland and the Sunderland people because the, the, sort of the the overarching theme of the entire series was um, was was about the fans and the community and how the, the troubles the club were going through were affecting the people because I mean all fans of all clubs love their club but until you've lived in the northeast you just don't understand how important football is in everyday life. Um, in other parts of the world, I think you've got other things going on, even in other parts of the country. Whereas in, in the northeast, in Sunderland, your, your sole focus in life is your family, your job, and then Sunderland Football Club. It's there's there's no there's nothing else really. We don't have a massive rugby team. We don't have any real celebrity culture or anything like that. We just got a football club. So, um, so yeah, the, the the important thing in that first series was to get across that um, that the fans were, were really hurting. By how the how the club was plummeting down the divisions. Mm. The second series was a bit more of a PR exercise, I think, for the then owners. You know, they they were they were trying to they were trying to showcase the club in a different light. Um, did it work? I don't know. Um, I mean, the current owner, Kirill Louis Dreyfus. I don't know whether it had something some part to play in his uh, his purchase of the club. You know, he got to see a little bit more of the club. I hope so. I hope that's what it's done because ultimately that's what it should have been. It should have been a, it should have been a piece to showcase the club to 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 potential suitors that might not have even known anything about Sunderland. Um, but I think to to fans of other clubs like yourself, um, it, it was it was humbling to hear people sort of talk about Sunderland in a different light because yeah. you can you can everyone everyone knew what was going on. Um, with with regards to how we were plumping down the leagues, but I don't think they knew how it was affecting normal people, yeah. and that was probably the best thing about the Netflix series, from my point of view. I think it could have done with being longer, but I don't think Netflix was going to do much more near episodes on Sunderland. So, um, yeah, I think it could have been longer, and it probably could have went into some of the issues a little bit deeper. But I'm nitpicking. I think they'll be back. I think there'll be a third series at some point. Um, hopefully, when we're back in the Premier League, that would be that would be a nice way to round it off, wouldn't it? Well, let's talk about how you can get back into the Premier League then in a tick. I'm actually in uh, the, the the second series of Sunderland till I die for about oh. three for about three seconds. Uh, the, yeah, I think my um, hand is. Yeah, when Sunderland, yeah, <laughs> when Sunderland play Blackpool, um, is, is one of the games that they covered. Uh, I think it was 2017, 18 season, and yeah. I am sitting in the press box next to the local BBC commentator. So they cut back between the game and the press box, and you can see me sat next to the BBC guy, for about three seconds. So that, that's yeah. my slight <laughs> acclaim to fame. Really. Clean the theme. <laughs> so League One then, Gav, you've been, I suppose, categorically from a Sunderland point of view, you've been in League One for far too long and it's time to end this nonsense and, and start to climb the leagues again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I don't think anybody expected we'd be here for four seasons and we might be here longer. You don't know. You don't know how the season's going to pan out. Um, it's been a strange few years, I would say. I think the first year when we came down um, with the squad we had, there was a lot more expectation on on the then manager, Jack Ross, to get us out of the league because he had players who played in the Premier League in his squad. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. I think one thing we've learned in League One is that you have to be street streetwise. And for a lot of our time, and I, I think even now, we aren't particularly streetwise. We haven't recruited players to get us out of this league necessarily. Um, like I say, the first season, we had a lot of big hitters there on big money. Um, since then, we've we've cleared the decks. We've we have tried to build um, a younger team, and we're seeing more of that this season. I think the second season uh, we were we were a tad unlucky because because of COVID curtailing the season. Um, this is the kick in the stomach, really. Yeah. The very last game before COVID was against Bristol Rovers, who were in terrible form. They hadn't won a game in fourteen, I think. Um, we went there and we lost 2-0 and that was the last game and had we won that game when it had went to the points per game uh, ratio once it came down to the nitty gritty we would have been promoted had we won that game and we didn't um, so that, that consigned us to another another season in League One and then uh, last year was difficult because we started the season with a manager that I don't think anybody had faith in Phil Parkinson, um, he was lucky to keep his job, if I'm honest, mm. as long as he did. And uh, by the time he, he left the club in December, we were really struggling. Lee Johnson came in around the start of December. And I think I think once you bring a manager in partway through a season, you're already sort of accepting that you might not actually get out of the league. Um, but we gave it a good go for the most part. We were up there. And then towards the end of the season, we tossed it off and we we lost ground. Um, we got into the playoffs, but we played Lincoln and we gave ourselves too much to do. We lost the first leg at Lincoln, came back to the Stadium of Light, put in a brilliant performance at the Stadium of Light, but it wasn't enough. Um, and that meant another summer of mass change. We got rid of lots of players who have been big fixtures in the squad since since we dropped into this league. We, we got rid of Charlie White. We got rid of, uh, of Max Power. Um, a bunch of other players, quite a lot of, you know, familiar names left in the summer. And Lee Johnson and the new owner and the new um, sporting director, they set about building a younger squad. That was the main uh, driving force behind what they've done. And they brought in a lot of young players in the summer. We've promoted quite a lot of players through the system. Um, <clears throat> but the the problem with, the problems at the minute are twofold. We've, one, got a lot of injuries and two, we've got uh, quite an inexperienced squad. So um, we've, we've seen we'll be hit, turned a little bit of a corner. We've had a bad few weeks, but we are coming back round to it. And I'm, I'm just crossing my fingers that we're not going to go on another bad run of, of defeats like we did last month because it really hurt our confidence, I think. You're always going to be in, in, in the mix, it's fair to say, regardless of how long you're, you're going to be in League One for. I think from a club like Morecambe's point of view, I think when we got promoted from League Two last season, one of the things we were looking forward to the most was all the enormous days out against huge former Premier League clubs, Ipswiches, yes. Portsmouth, Sheffield Wednesdays. 
But for me, I think Sunderland is the one away trip. And I'm disappointed that it's on a Tuesday night, actually, and not on a Saturday, because we would have bought far more fans. But even so, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. I've worked, been lucky enough to work at the Stadium of Light on several occasions in previous guises. And the atmosphere is absolutely fantastic. Everybody's so friendly. I think that's just a northeast thing, though, isn't it, Gav, to be honest? Uh, and, and it's going to be a fantastic occasion and, and a great day out for our club. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of how most clubs treat a trip to Sunderland as a big day out. And it's probably been, um, in a lot of cases, when we've lost games at the Stadium of Light, it's probably been our undoing. Like a lot of these teams who come to the Stadium of Light and say it's a big day out, they, they up their game and it, and it makes it harder for us. That's been one of the common features while we've been in League One is that we're up we're up against it a little bit more than some of these clubs because because of our plight really we've we've dropped out of the top flight to League One in consecutive seasons. So when Sunderland are in this league it's a big it's a big thing, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, we, yeah. we've got a massive stadium, we're a massive club, but it counts for very little over those 90 minutes. You know, we're, we're equals at the end of the day. We're on the we're in the same league for for the same reason, really. You know, we deserve to be here. So, um, thankfully, this season our home forms upturned. Like during COVID, when we were playing an empty stadium, it really affected us. We our home form wasn't good, but since fans have returned to the stadium, it's been good. We've only lost one league game at home this season. Um, we've had some really good performances and big big score lines. So, um, I think I think that sort of being overawed by smaller clubs coming to the stadium alight. And up in the game, that's sort of worn off a little bit this year, I think, uh, which is a good thing for us because, like I say, it's been a big struggle at times against... I mean, Wickham um, are one of those clubs who, you know, they, they, they come here and they throw up a big wall in front of us and try and try and stop us from being the bigger club and all the rest of it. But we, we've actually we've been able to beat Wickham at home and we beat Wigan this season. Um, so... Decent teams have came to the Stadium of Light and not been able to beat us. That's, that's been pretty impressive. So, yeah, but from Morton's perspective, I guess this is probably one of the biggest games in, in league football they've probably yeah probably had, I would absolutely. imagine. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think um, from, our, from our point of view, Gav, it, it, it's, it's one that we've been looking for. Fans and players alike, I think, have been really looking forward to this one. And I suppose we've, we're going to have to raise our game and, and you're perhaps going to have to have, have a bit of an off day. Well, you say that, but you you guys have got a, a good centre forward, and that normally counts for a lot because we're not great defensively. Yeah. So you know it, it it's one of those. I'm, I'm I would like to, the way I always say it is, is if we're really going to be proper promotion contenders, then when you play Morecambe at home, you have to win that game because yeah, I think absolutely. I think the other teams up there will be expecting to win the home games against um, Morecambe and. And, and anybody else who sort of expected to struggle this year to a degree. So it's not being disrespectful in saying that. I think I just think that regardless of what league you're in, if you're in the Premier League and you're Manchester City and you're playing Norwich at home, you expect to beat Norwich. If you're, you know, a top championship club playing a team who aren't expected to really compete at the top end at home, you, you have to win those games. Yeah. And our fans will be disappointed if we don't win. So the, the, I guess they're in, in that respect. It takes the pressure off Morton a little bit and places it onto Sunderland because you can come here, you can come here and not really expect much and play carefree. Where for our fans, they're expecting to see three points and a victory. So 
Yeah, it's a, it's the, but this is a constant battle we've had in League One, you know. We and we haven't always passed that test. Like I said, though, we've we've been better at home this season, so I'm um, I'm confident. Even even if I shouldn't be so confident, because I know Morton are a good team. So yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so Lee Johnson, Gav, is, is I suppose one of a number of uh, well, let's call him a young, dynamic, new generation of manager in this division. Tell us everything we need to know about his style of play, formations, players to watch, and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, so Lee Johnson's split an opinion amongst fans at the minute. But I'm, I'm on I'm on the side where I think he should be given time. I quite like him. I think when he first came through the door, he, he put a lot of people off, me included, with the way he talks about football. I thought, well, he's a bit David Brentish, you know, he's a bit... Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit not really very Sunderland. You know, we like Mick McCarthy's and Sam Allardyce's who tell you the truth and don't you know don't mince their words. Where whereas with Lee Johnson, he's he's a deep thinker and he's a he's quite articulate. Um, and at first that sort of I, I put my guard up a bit at first when I when I heard him speak, but as time's gone on, I, I've grown to like him and I've grown to like the way he carries himself. Um the problem is is that when he came from Bristol City, we were told, well. He's t- he always goes through streaks. His nickname was Streaky at Bristol City. So he goes through big runs of winning games and big runs of losing them. Um, and we've seen that carry on a little bit into Sunderland. So we went on a massive winning streak at the start of the season where we played brilliant football and then we lost four on the bounce and it brought us back down to earth with a bang. Same thing happened last season. We had a really good run towards the start of his tenure. Towards the end, we tailed off. So... At, at any given moment, we're sort of expecting us to implode over a run of games. But at the minute, we've just picked up um, two wins and a draw in a week, which is good for us. Um, but in terms of his style of play, I think uh, he says himself, he, he goes to win every game. So that's why when you look at our league record, we don't draw many. Um, we either win or we lose. We don't tend to draw a great deal of games, which as a fan, I quite like. I'd rather, I mean, when Phil Partinson was manager, he would purposely set up to get draws in some games, and I hated that. Yeah. I think when you when you're Sunderland in League One, you should be going to win every game. So I like that 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 aspect of Lee Johnson's attitude. Um, in terms of his football, um, I think in the main he does like to keep it on the deck, he likes to play it around. We've got technically good footballers: Carl Winchester, uh, Elliot Embleton, um, Alex Pritchard. Um, I know Aidan McGeady's injured, but Aidan McGeady would you would include as a technically good footballer. We've got Callum Doyle on loan from Manchester City, young lad who's he plays in the Manchester City way out from the back. So we've got players who can keep it on the deck, and then our two strikers, Nathan Broadhead and Ross Stewart, very hard working, very good technically, both can score goals. Um, I think the one thing you can guarantee is those two will give your your defence a run around for 90 minutes because that's their style. Um but in terms of our weakness as well, because we're so good with the ball on the floor, we aren't particularly great at defending crosses. Our centre-half struggle in the main. I think the performance at um, at the weekend away at Cambridge was um, a bit of an anomaly for us because with the terrible weather we had at the weekend, they were forced to defend a lot of crosses and a lot of long balls. And normally we would crumble under that sort of pressure but we didn't we held strong so that's reassuring actually because our undoing in a lot of games this season where we've not got the result we wanted has been the fact we're just a little bit too soft mm. so it was nice to see us turn that corner and hopefully that that can continue 
But um, I think what you're going to do is you're going to get a team who works hard and a team who tries to play football. Um, and, you know, if we if we can, what we tend to find is, is when we play against teams who like to play football against us, we come out the better of it. It's when teams are harder working and maybe a little bit more streetwise and better in the air that we really struggle. So that's one thing Cambridge didn't do. Cambridge, if they'd watched us at all, would have seen all you've got to do is press Sunderland and outwork us and you'll you'll get something from the game. They stood off, they didn't press whatsoever and they just let us play. And that was that was a big mistake and we won the game because of that. Um, so, I mean, I hope nobody from Morton's listening, but my advice to them would be to just press the hell out of us because we will give the ball away um, and you'll win second balls and just get the ball wide and put it on the big man's head up front because you will score. That's the one thing. We're not great at keeping clean sheets. Um, but I think overall we're a good team. We are a good team. We just... We're very young and we, we can be caught. The way we play with 4-3-3, flat back four, pushing on full backs, midfield trio, two out and out wingers and, and, and one sole striker. Um, he's so vitally important to us. So you talk about the high press and play with that intensity. I think that's what we try and do. The one problem that we have is not in terms of general game play. Every game this season, I include Saturday when we got hammered 4-0, for most of the game, in general play, we more than matched MK Dons. It, it, there's, yeah. There was nothing in it. Stats-wise, there was nothing in it. Same amount of corners, same amount of shots on target, all that kind of stuff. It's just, the, I suppose, the clinicity of, of League One. And that's what we found as the step up from League Two is everything is just that little bit sharper. The passing's a little bit crisper. It's a little, And the, the pace of the game is that, that little bit more relentless for longer. And, and, and that's where we've been found wanting, I think, this season. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think um, that might work to our benefit then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, possibly because, like I say, yeah. we we are quite when we when we get the ball down, we are quite good. We, we move it quickly. Um, our two midfield players, Dan Neal and Carl Winchester, they both get the ball. They both like to play attacking passes. I would say they both like to play forward, which um, I mean we haven't had that while we've been in League One. We've always had crabs midfielders who just go side to side. Whereas with these two, they like to go forward, you know. So um, if if we can get a hold of the ball, then I, th- I fancy us. But I always fancy something. That's the thing. I always fancy us against anybody. It's just like any other League One team. We are a League One team, so we have weaknesses. Yeah. And it doesn't take very much to expose them. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think anyway, that's one thing with League One, and you'll have discovered that is that on any given day, anybody can beat anybody. It's not like the Premier League. League One's very weird. Um, you know, that's why you always, yeah. you, you get, a, you get every year, you get a team like a Plymouth up there yeah. who just come out of nowhere, struggled last year, but now they're, they're battling at the top end of the table. And you don't get that really in any other league, you know, because because ultimately um, money doesn't count for a great deal in League One. We, we've probably got the biggest budget by a mile of any club in League mm-hmm. One or have had over the last four seasons, yet we haven't got promoted. It just shows you that it doesn't really matter all that much. It's about how clever you are recruiting the right types of players to play League One football. Because you see teams who who blow this league away or, or, or go up, they go into the championship and they can't implement that same style. You know, Peter Brewer, the big example for me, you know, last Wickham. year. Uh, yeah, Wickham as well, yeah. Although Wickham, Wickham came better last year towards the end of the season, didn't they? But yeah. they 
I think they were very lucky to go up anyways because they went up through points per game. They weren't even in the playoffs when they got promoted. Um, they were actually, I think, eighth in the table yeah. and didn't really recruit many players and, and nearly stayed up, actually, to their credit. But Peterborough, for me, are the one where you look at them and you think last season they were scoring goals for fun in League One. Johnson Clark Harris was probably the best player in the league. Um, and he he can't he can't score goals this season. They can't score score goals this season. They can't defend this season. It shows that there is quite a big step up. Mm. Um, but when you're in this league, there isn't a great deal of difference between I would say between the top, probably the top ten teams in League Two and all of League One. I think anybody could win any game on any given day. Yeah, I don't. Which is why which is why teams tend to do quite well when they come into this league. I think I think that's that, that's not a million miles off the mark, Gav, at all. I think that's what we found in general play. Uh, we've not been found even in our defeats. We've not been found wanting, and that's not home bias towards Morecambe. It's just it, it's the reality of the situation. It's those fine margins. It's that little yeah. bit extra that we just need to start to find, and and obviously we need to start to find quickly. Hopefully. That's going to start on Tuesday, I suppose, from your point of view. You're thinking uh, this is a straightforward enough three points. No, I never think anything <laughs> straightforward. Never, ever, ever, never. Um, especially when we haven't been great recently. And like I say, we'll pick up better results. By the time this goes out, we'll have played um, Oldham in the trophy, which, to be fair, is a, um, a bit of a free hit from our perspective. We won it last year. And this year, we very much use it as an exercise to give our best kids first-team football. Um, so having had a good week in League One, I think we can afford to relax in that one a little bit more. So let's say by the time this goes out, we've played that game. And then at the weekend, we play Oxford, which is a, a rearranged game, and Oxford are doing well. Mm. So by the time we... It could be different by the time we play you guys. If we beat Oxford, everyone will be high as a kite. If we lose then the Morecambe game becomes massive for Sunderland, massive for Lee Johnson. Because like I said, there's a big portion of fans who are still on Sunderland. Even after the last week we've had, where we beat Ipswich, who are promotion rivals, um, the game on Tuesday against Shrewsbury was a bad result. We were 1-0 up, they went down to 10 men and we let them get a goal and we couldn't get a second. Um, so that was a bad result from our perspective. But then we followed that up with a battling win at Cambridge. So... Fans aren't really sold on them, some of them. I am, like I say, I like them. But do, let's say we don't beat Oxford, the Morton game then becomes giant for Lee Johnson because we've got... Um, it, it, it's bang in the middle of a run of three home games and we haven't had many home games recently. So you've got to win your home games, like I said before. Um, so, I, I, I mean, we're having this conversation earlier than we normally would maybe but I think there might still be a bit of pressure on them to, to get the result in this one. So it's not nothing's easy in this league. Um, you take nothing for granted. I think we've had to learn that over the last four seasons. So that leads me on to my final question then, Gav. Is Lee Johnson the man to take you back into the championship this season? I think so, yeah. And that won't, like I say, won't go down well with a bunch of fans who I don't think they're ever going to be sold on him. Um, but I think so, yeah. I think... That because Sunderland have had to change the way they operate, um, we've gone from being a, a very traditional English club who have a manager who does everything from recruitment to organising the scouting to picking the team to doing training. We, we've we've come into the modern era a little bit. We appointed a sporting director. We've got a proper recruitment team and coaching team in place, and the academy's getting more focused. 
And that makes Lee Johnson's job <clears throat> different to perhaps his predecessors. He is His title is head coach. Um, so his job is to coach the team. It's as simple as that. Um, but in this model, I think he fits it. And one thing that in Sunderland's history we've never done is we've never given managers time. We we get rid at the first sign of, of um, trouble. And in the Premier League, that worked. We used to get October, November time where we'd be bottom or second bottom in the Premier League. We'd sack the manager. We'd get the short-term boost we needed and we'd just crawl over the line come the end of the season. When you're trying to stay in the Premier League and there's so much money at stake, that, that's all that counts, staying in the league every year. But when you come into the EFL, um, it's different, especially League One. Like, we need to build. And in my opinion, you shouldn't sack a manager at the first sign of adversity when you're trying to build something. And we did that with Jack Ross. And I hold my hand up. I wanted a change at the time, but I've learned. I've learned that, you know, it wasn't maybe the wisest decision from the club's perspective to, to drop the ball on him. We replaced him with a worse manager in Phil Parkinson. And again, around this time last year, we sacked him. But like I said earlier, when you sack a manager partway through the season, you're basically holding your hands up and saying, well, you know, we're, not, we're probably not going to do anything this season. And I just think if we do it again and we sack Lee Johnson before Christmas and bring in somebody else, they're going to have to go through all the same stuff. They're going to have the same players available to them. They're going to have the same issues to deal with, with injuries. Um, and they're going to have to have time to work the squad out, work out what kind of style of player they want, what kind of players they want. And by that time, the season could be gone. So I just want to see us see the, through the season with Lee Johnson. Um, I mean, let's say he goes on a run of five or six defeats and we plummet down the table. I think it's going to be hard to sort of support him. But I think I think in the position we're in, we're never really going to be away from, too far away from them promotion spots. And just for once, because I've been a son and family whole life, I would just like to see us see the season through with them. And hopefully it'll be with a promotion at the end of it. So, so yeah, that's a long way around it. But yeah, I do think, I do think that he'll do it. And it's not just blind faith and hoping that this time we can try something different. I actually think he knows the strengths and weaknesses of the squad and knows the players quite well. And um, all managers go through bad spells. I mean, I looked at the league table from this time last year, the other day. After 20 games, um, Peter Brown Hull weren't in the top two. They'd both lost six games each. Blackpool were way off. They were like 12th or something. And those are the three teams that went up. Um, so all that tells me is, you know, it ain't over yet. It's very early in the season. So let's just be calm. Let's try and let's try and, you know, put to one side whatever you don't like about Lee Johnson and just focus on the fact that. This is a bit of a rebuilding job and we actually aren't that far away from where we need to be. You know, we've got games in hand. We win those games in hand. We're in a very strong position and um, going into January with with a, a decent kitty and knowing what we need to, to recruit, I think we'll be stronger in the second half of the season. So, yeah, I would stick by him and I would like to think that the club are, are along the similar lines as me because it's um, it's been a long time since we gave someone a proper chance here. Gav, thanks for coming on. Fascinating insight into the uh, inner workings of the club on and off the field. 
and just what it takes to compete at League One level. We're really excited about coming up to the Stadium of Light on Tuesday. I think press and fans alike, it's one that we've had on in, on the calendar <laughs> since the fixtures were out. So we're really excited about that. Finally then, Gav, give us a sales pitch one more time. Where can we find uh, the Roker Report and the Roker Report podcast? Yeah, um, people head to rokerreport.com. That's where you'll catch all of our stuff. Uh, from Morton fans' perspective, we, we do quite a lot of stuff in the build-up to the game, so there'll be match preview. All this stuff will be interesting to you guys because, you know, we do match preview score predictions. We interview opposition fans, so there'll be, there will be an interview with a Morton fan up on the site. I think somebody from one of your fan sites is involved with that one. Um, we'll have player ratings after the game. There'll be a, a post-match podcast or two. We do a reaction show and then we do a full review on a Sunday. So what people have to do is if they search iTunes, Spotify, Acast, YouTube for Roka Report podcast, um, you'll you'll find all of the, the content around the Morton game. And like I say, if, if any Morton fans listening would like to, to donate to a worthy cause this Christmas and, and muck in with some Sunland fans, we're raising money for the Sunland Community Soup Kitchen. Um, I mean, you have to say it to believe it to say the scale of the problem just in Sunderland. Yeah with homelessness and poverty, food poverty, you know, children who, who aren't being fed properly. Um, and yeah, it's it's a huge issue that, that's around the country. The, the, the same issue will be hitting people in Morecambe, but if you would like to support what we're doing, uh, even if it's just a fiver, we'd really appreciate it. So yeah, uh, you'll find all of that on our social media, which uh, you just search Twitter for Roka Report, um, Instagram, Roka Report again, and Facebook, Roka Report. We're all over the place. So yeah, you can't miss us. Gav, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. I, I suppose selfishly, I, I hope you don't get promoted so we can come back to you <laughs> next year, but I suspect that this year might might well be your time. So good luck for the season after Tuesday, of course, and thanks once again for coming on. Yes, Dave. A massive thanks to Gav from the Roker Report online Sunderland fan site and Roker Report podcast as well for a fascinating insight there into all things Sunderland on and off the field and all matters League One as well. Gav, thank you so much. Well, let's see you at the Stadium of Light on Tuesday. And if you're not heading to the northeast, of course, full match commentary on Beyond Radio, Team News and the whole game live with myself, Dave Salmon and Matt Smith from the Shrimps Media team will be high at the back of the main stand at the Stadium of Light, 171 steps up in the air, uh, live from 7.30 across North Lancashire on 103.5 and 107.5 FM and of course on DAB Plus Digital Radio 2 and online via iFollowShrimps. We'll look forward to your company then. That's just about it. Thanks as ever for your ears. We always appreciate your company. And we'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.